1: To
0: learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loans subject to approval. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Holla talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well...
1: Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate
0: slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work.
1: Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking about the understated power of stealth wealth.
0: Talking about that stealthy, stealthy wealth. Which uh, reminds me, did you ever watch Mr. Deeds? This was an Adam Sandler movie back in the nineties. Long time ago. <laughs> it's been a long time. Do you ever the his servant. Uh, I forget his name, but I am... John, John Turturro I, was, yeah. I am very, very sneaky, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I think of when I hear stealth wealth. I think of that sneaky wealth, uh, that wealth that sneaks up on you
1: that folks aren't even aware of. You know what it makes me think of? The, like, what? stealth bomber back in the day? Remember when that came out? Also, as a kid. Was huge in the 90s. I was like, that's There's the coolest a, thing I've ever seen in my life. How does that thing actually fly? <laughs> and It's so stealthy. How does, it, how, does it, how does it do what it's supposed to do? But yeah, that's kind of what we're going to talk about. When it comes to money, we want you to be sneaky. We want you to be stealthy. And like, uh, there's a whole lot of reasons for it. Like, What is stealth wealth? We'll discuss that in this episode, but also kind of like, how do you head in this direction too? That's right, man. So, okay. I've got a a question
0: for you. I was faced with a conundrum the other night. So lately I've been kind of going down the path of thinking through different purchases I make within the framework of buying quality over quantity, right? Mm -hmm. This is something we talked about in episode 626. I feel like we've talked about this a decent amount recently. Yeah. Yeah. But lately, I've kind of been exploring, this is gonna sound kind of silly, but nicer shirts. Specifically, Merino wool shirts. Okay. And basically, so the reason I've been looking into this, we're getting ready for our Scotland trip. Our, you and I and our wives are all going to Scotland. And I've learned that Merino wool is like the fabric of choice for travelers. Maybe a lot of other people already know this, but I did not know this. Well, it was nice uh, and soft, right? Well, it's soft, but it's also, it's, it's great from like a temperature regulation standpoint, but mm-hmm. specifically, it is, it doesn't get stinky. Mm. Like... I don't know how it's it's like it's magic your fellow travelers will appreciate this Matt. absolutely and i got one and i actually put it to the test a couple weeks ago i don't don't know if you remembered but i wore the same t-shirt for i remember (laughs) for weeks you told me for a week straight and i was making you sniff the shirt because i was like dude you can't you can't smell anything on this thing we're up
1: here and how to money hq sometimes i even
0: i I wore it like on a run even like in the middle of that period of time and even still by the end of seven days it was not stinky Mm -hmm. anyway all that to say that merino wool shirts are really freaking expensive, though, and so that's the the predicament I'm in. I'd love to maybe get a couple more, or maybe even just one more, but they're like like from the the better companies out there. You're you're talking like seventy or eighty bucks for a single shirt. That's expensive. So sure. I hopped on eBay and I was looking around, and I came across this retailer that I guarantee nobody's ever heard of. Uh, honestly, I think they're it's like a direct from asia kind of company where like stuff's getting shipped directly to this warehouse out in california but the prices were incredible uh, i'm talking like $30 for a 100% merino wool shirt which is a screaming deal compared to like 80 bucks mm-hmm. but the reviews were a little iffy on it and i wasn't totally sure if it would if it would pan out but what would you have done in this situation, because on one hand, I was torn because I was, I was like, oh, this is the absolute lowest price I've ever seen on a merino wool shirt. But I also didn't want to get stuck with something that I wasn't going to love. Okay. What's the return policy? I guess that'd be my next question. Great question. They had a return policy, but you had to pay for shipping. Wow. So that's what makes it tough, right? like if six it was, bucks to send it back. If it was free returns, no brainer. Get it. Try it out. If you did not like it, send it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they didn't have a return policy, that was also a no brainer. I wouldn't do it at all. Yeah. But this falls like right on the fence. And that's. That's where we like to live, right, Joel? Like we, <laughs>
1: we like to live in that in-between zone. Well, every once in a while, as someone who's trying to be frugal, you do get burned. And you do, you do your best. Yeah, and so I think this is one of those, though, where if it's that much more of a deal, and if there are enough reviews to substantiate the quality of the items they sell, then I would be like, I'll give it a shot. A, a worst thing that happens, I'm out 6 bucks. But best thing that happens, I save 50 bucks on the shirt that's I'm true. looking to get. So I, that's yeah. how I would think of it. Well,
0: the reviews talked about how the... It had like a weird sizing and the fit was kind of odd. So ultimately I decided not to do it, and instead I was like, "All right, maybe I'll just watch out for some like bigger sales yeah. from some of the nicer companies." Yeah.
1: or maybe yeah, you can I wait and look around and see if there's something in between. Instead of the eighty dollars sure.
0: shirt, is there something that's like forty or fifty? I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like so, I got an Icebreaker shirt that's like one of the better companies or whatever. But uh, REI Co-op, they make really good one hundred percent merino wool shorts, and they go on sale as well. Evidently, yeah. like in the forties or fifty dollars range sometimes. My sister-in-law
1: works at REI, so I can maybe ask her about. I didn't know it. that. Yeah, just, Which she, I don't know. Recent, it was recently, I think. Oh that She snap. got that job. So. Oh man! Yeah, or I don't know. I, I don't know if uh, I can get the discount di- or not. Send those digits over. I'm gonna start pestering her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, she'll hate you pretty soon. Pretty soon. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Good luck with your thanks, man. Continued marina search. Curious,
0: curious to get your thoughts on that.
1: But, but yeah, th- those are always tough decisions is trying to be an informed consumer buying the right things at the right price it's not always easy but uh yeah well let's talk about stealth wealth here matt but first let's mention the beer that we're having on this episode this one is called traditional copper it's an alt beer and it's by the old Mecklenburg Brewery. Your father-in-law gave us this beer to have yep. on the
0: show, right? So. Yeah, that's right. Thanks, Greg. Yeah. Uh, I think this is it's called Copper, and it's a traditional alt beer. Oh, okay. So I think Copper's the name of it. Oh. But. It's hard to tell the way so, that it yeah. is <laughs> <laughs> on the label. But yeah, looking forward to enjoying this one. We'll share our thoughts on it at the end of the episode. For sure. But for now, let's get on
1: to Stealth Wealth. And Matt, this made me think about Clark Kent, who has a nerdy newspaper job. He, he's a sneaky, sneaky guy. He's got the thick glasses, certainly doesn't look cool in the traditional sense of the word and i don't know if people still use the term square but if they do that's what they call clark kent right (laughs) and like that's what he is but when you pull back the white button up on that dude he's a beast right he he becomes superman and kids all over the world and lots of adults are obsessed with that dude because he can fly he can kick basically anyone's butt there's only one thing that can stop him and it's this green shiny rock right and and he's saving the world from evil villains on a regular basis but Clark Kent doesn't need everyone to know what he's capable of like he doesn't mind people thinking that he's a a complete nerd the boring Uh, old reporter right he doesn't mind that being the general conception of him and so I, I think when you don't feel the need to signal to others what you're capable of there's a whole lot of power in that from an individual standpoint and when we're talking about overall financial well-being. So that's what we're talking about today. We want you to be the financial version of Clark Kent, to, to have some Superman underneath the clothes, but to not be like showing off to everybody all
0: the time. Totally, man. Yeah. And the fact is, those outward signals are oftentimes more of a distraction than anything else, right? Like they can oftentimes actually prevent you from being able to uh, sustain that lifestyle. You might be able to achieve it momentarily, but sustaining it is a whole other whole nother question. Uh, and you know, one of the problems that we're addressing today, like everybody out there, for the most part, wants to be wealthy, but they don't want to be like, quote unquote, that guy, right? Like they don't want to be the jerk and the oddie uh, that, that cut you off, uh, like on the way to work. They, they don't want to be the folks on social media living it up at the club. <laughs> uh, they want to be wealthier, but they don't want to like essentially lose their soul in the process. Uh, and the term stealth wealth is a helpful way to think about what's worth striving for, right? Like this is the solution to finding that balance between being wealthy but being a decent human being. Yeah. Uh, so today we're we're going to talk about why self wealth is
1: such a great goal to aim for, and you know what it looks like to actually achieve it. Yeah. So let's talk about what it what it is. Let's define terms a little bit here. And you and I were talking about this before we started. It's kind of a hard word or term to define. Like. It's not financial independence, but it, if you're if you're going the stealth wealth route, it's going to get you to financial independence. So it's kind of a way of living as you're kind of uh, looking to achieve more and more financial independence in your life, and it's yeah. and it's a way of living that we think makes a lot of sense, and it actually has its roots back in the the book The Millionaire Next Door. Thomas Stanley wrote this classic back in 1996, I believe, and it was a, a study of millionaires. And it came with some striking findings, right, that most of us don't assume when we think about wealth accumulation. It, it showed, really, that millionaires are disproportionately clustered in middle-class and blue-collar neighborhoods, not in the most affluent neighborhoods, which is kind of counterintuitive to how most of us think about the wealthy among us. We sure we assume that they're living in the McMansions, but no, not necessarily. They're, they're more likely to devote their money towards saving and investing than buying luxury goods. Makes me think about recently we talked on the show and we had an Instagram post about Prada selling paper clips. <laughs> and You can get a $495 <laughs> paper clip from Prada, or you can get like a, a Gucci dog bowl. A, a Gucci dog bowl that was almost $2,000. And y- you can show off your wealth like that. You can flaunt it. You can buy. They should call that thing the Poochie. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're getting you, poached the, when, when, when you buy that bowl. Poached by the Gucci Poochie. It's pretty. Ridiculous. Those are the kind of things, though, that people often. The wealthiest people are not buying those goods. They're not buying the luxury paper clips, which I did not even know was a thing. Honestly, shocked to see that. But they're also not buying luxury cars either. Like these millionaires are driving Mazdas, not Mercedes. They care more about having wealth than flaunting it. And that's just that's like the most important thing to know about people who are pursuing stealth wealth. It's it's the people who actually want to be wealthy. They want to have the money backing up a lifestyle that doesn't necessarily look ostentatious or showy. Yeah, you know, I mean the truth is that it's just hard
0: to see how much wealth someone has in their everyday life. It, it truly is something that is kind of secret. It's easy to see what folks around you are spending, whether that be on like vacations or clothes, fancy cars, nice homes, big houses that kind of thing. Uh, it's just hard to see though what they're saving and what they're investing and how much uh, to what extent that they're doing that. It's
1: not worn on the sleeve nearly to the same degree mm, exactly. as the stuff that we buy. Yeah, so
0: stealth wealth practitioners approach their lives in in a countercultural way, and I feel like in this way it can kind of be, it can pay perhaps to be a little hard-headed and not care what other people think. (laughs) But it makes me think of this quote, uh, and this is from Edwin Way Teal, and it goes, reduce the complexity of life by eliminating the needless wants of life, and the labors of life reduce themselves. Mm. I love that, man. I think it, it, oftentimes folks might think, well, I don't want to be a minimalist. And you can read that quote and think, well, this is a this is a quote in favor of minimalism. But I don't think that's the case. I don't, you don't have to go that extreme. It doesn't have to yeah. be black or white. You can instead choose a life of intentionality in all areas, including
1: your spending. Even when it comes to those merino wool shirts that you want, right? You can still you can still like I think intelligently shop look for and buy new things and some some of our friends would beg to differ or would live life a little differently like our friend Katie Woke Stanley mm-hmm. but she
0: would probably most definitely find her mer- Merino wool shirts at the, at the Goodwill
1: right which more power
0: to her that's <laughs> why we wanted to talk to her I hadn't done that yet but right. I need to go need to go looking but she's inspirational <laughs> in that regard I think yeah. it, but I, I think here's I'll the th- thing though when you, you you get yourself a Merino wool shirt Joel you're never getting rid of it
1: because <laughs> you're gonna love it that much right so maybe there's none to be had I'm trying. To, I'm trying to convert people on the used market. But I think that's that's what makes her so inspiring is that she lives her life with a really particular bent. And it's pretty extreme given kind of today's modern standards and how consumeristic we tend to be. But I think there's a lot to love in the way that she does this, but I, I think you're right. Like reducing the complexity, eliminating the needless wants of life, that doesn't necessarily have to mean living, uh, buying into hook, line, and sinker, the non consumer advocate mentality, or you know, buying into a full on minimalist lifestyle. Not that we're against those, more power to you if that's what you want to do, uh, but we don't necessarily partake to that degree. But you might be thinking what's the point of being wealthy without being able to buy the things and the experiences that having more money affords? That's a good question. Because you might be saying, my goal of saving and investing more is so that I can buy that beach house or afford that Fancy Rolex, and you know, we're not here to tell you what you should spend your money on. We're not here to tell you that you need to join the minimalist movement. And if you're into fancy watches or something like that, that's fine with us. And if you buy the right one, actually, it might even go up in value over time. Uh, but that's beside the point. But mm-hmm. like uh, the millionaire next door taught us, the problem is if you're spending tomorrow's cash today. That's where the root of the problem exists, yes. and it's yep. it's really hard to out earn your spending if your spending is insatiable. And so, yeah, stealth wealth is basically buying into the notion that actually being rich trumps public displays of wealth. Makes me think of an article I wrote, I don't know, a year or so ago on our website, Matt, about buying a new car and how it's it's not that we're a hundred percent against owning a new car in any way, form, or fashion that nobody should ever do it. But I outlined a few circumstances when it makes sense. And it's just that most people don't meet those parameters. And a lot of people end up buying a new car when they can't actually afford it. And they stretch out payments and they really hamstring their overall financial progress because they're opting to uh, buy something that, that makes them look better to the world around them from a consumeristic standpoint, from a possession standpoint. And really what they're doing is hurting their own ability to achieve stealth wealth and and really reach financial independence that's right yeah so let's talk about how this
0: fits with some recent studies that show that more money, how it actually equals greater levels of happiness. Uh, there's some old research out there that we've even referenced here on the show before. We've had guests on the show before and they've written books. <laughs> uh, the large portions of the books were even kind of based on this fact that happiness kind of plateaued after reaching around $75,000 a year in, in salary. In reality, that's probably closer to $100,000 now given inflation. But new research by the same folks show with a more comprehensive studies is showing that happiness levels actually continue to climb even in high ranges of income, all the way up to like over $200,000. Uh, although this isn't the case for everyone. Uh, there's there's still this unhappy minority of that group whose happiness diminished as their income rose. Uh, but the relationship between money and, and happiness it is not easy to figure out. Uh, but my guess is that the happiest people of all are Likely the ones out there who are living the stealth wealth lifestyle. It's the folks who end up making a higher income, yes, but they don't necessarily live like it. They're not. They're not living. You know, they're not showing. They're not displaying their wealth on their sleeve. Uh, and oftentimes it's because they have asked these harder questions. They, and we're going to get to all this, right? But like they are questioning the things that culture is telling them is going to make them happy, and
1: instead are out there blazing their own path. Yeah. All right, let me share another quote here because you shared a good one, but this one's, this one's a touch longer, but I swear, I told my wife when I read it, this one just like slapped me sideways. I was like, this is just, this is brilliant. And it's become one of my favorite money quotes. Uh, and here's how it's from the book called The Quest of the Simple Life by William Dawson. He says, the thing that is least perceived about wealth is that all pleasure in money ends at the point where economy becomes unnecessary. The man who can buy anything he covets values nothing that he buys there is subtle pleasure in the extravagance that contests with prudence. Mm. In the anxious debates which we hold with ourselves, whether we can or cannot afford a certain thing, in our attempts to justify our wisdom, in the risk and recklessness of our operations, in the long deferred and final joy of our possession. But this is a kind of pleasure which the man of boundless means never knows. And I think even if you're you kind of referring to that happiness study and how the people who make more money uh, well, they're probably happier if they're living that stealthy, wealthy lifestyle. I think it's probably because you're fighting back against some of that consumerism. And if you give in to all your wants and desires and you buy all of the things that you can possibly afford, you end up finding that there's not as much joy at the end of that spending spree yeah. as you hoped.
0: I think I think it shows that just having an unlimited amount of funds isn't going to make you any happier. Right? Yeah. Like, like well, honestly, hearing that, it makes me think of, we're doing a lot of 90s nostalgia. <laughs> Mr. Deeds, uh, the stealth bomber. It also makes me think of so playing Nintendo. I remember going to the grocery store and there was this magazine that you could get, and I'm pretty sure it was called Nintendo Power. <laughs> uh, and the reason you got Nintendo Power was to look up the cheat codes, yeah, because you could you know flip to whatever game that they're highlighting, look up the movement to do on the you know on the keypad before like once it was in the <laughs> like the start screen or whatever, and it would give you. 99 lives or something like that, right? Or it would give like it would put you in god mode to where you just couldn't die. And which makes it really fun for a second. For a second, but it just sucks all the joy out of it. And I think yeah. that's what this quote is saying, like that the fun is built into the struggle. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when you remove that struggle, there's kind of no joy left to be had. And essentially, that's what we're doing today. Like we're pointing out the fact that by adding some barriers, some constraints or some guardrails, like that in and of itself is sort of where the, like, I guess the joy comes from when it comes to the, how it is that we
1: appreciate Mm -hmm. the things that we purchase. I think everything you buy when you take this mentality, Means more than if you are spending willy nilly. And not only that, but it adds more kind of mental freedom because you're not nearly as worried about your money either uh, because you've kind of put yourself on a path to where. Something out of your control impacts you negatively, whether it's a job loss or whether it's a market downturn, something like that where that just doesn't affect you in nearly the same way because you've insulated yourself in so many ways mm. from some of those the harshest things that can yeah. happen. and people who are not taking the stealth wealth approach often find themselves like uh, a small boat out at sea tossed to and fro by the big waves. but yeah, we're we're, we're less likely to be tossed to and fro if we're taking that that stealth wealth mindset. And so, totally. yeah, who who should be taking this? What are the what are the pros of stealth wealth and then how do you actually go about achieving it? What do you need to implement in your life to make sure that it becomes a reality for you? Well, we'll talk all about that and more right after this.
0: You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right?
1: AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So, it's safe to say, it's never too soon to join AARP.
0: They're here to help your money, your health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org
1: wisefriend. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com.
0: All right, man, let's get back to talking about stealth wealth, and we're going to talk about, I guess, some of the reasons you should consider stealth wealth. But first, let's quickly mention who should be considering taking more of a stealth wealth approach with their money, Uh, because many folks who could be striving in this direction are oftentimes just finding themselves living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, Here's a startling statistic for folks. 51% of people who earn more than $100,000 a year are living paycheck to paycheck. And there's a lot of excuses out there. Like, sure, inflation it has been a beast recently. But while folks who are living the stealth wealth lifestyle, they might not have quite as high of a savings rate this year, they're still prioritizing their savings. They're still making it a point to invest their money, even while everything around them is getting more expensive. Uh, And so I think the stat just demonstrates that it's not always a... A lack of income that's preventing people from pursuing stealth wealth in their own lives, uh, and it's just an argument, basically, that more folks could benefit from trying to implement some of these stealth wealth principles
1: within their own lives. Yeah, it's it's not that some people in certain income ranges and in certain stages of their career aren't going to find it more difficult to save, but I think that stat shows that. There are a lot of people who could be taking this approach and they're not, right? And then there's a lot saying, of folks who could benefit from it. A lot, a
0: lot of folks, I think, need to reassess their spending because yeah. oftentimes the reason you are living paycheck to paycheck is because you're, you know, you're spending your money on some dumb stuff.
1: Yeah, and it's easy to blame it on the price of eggs. <laughs> but uh, there are other things <laughs> yeah. that we're doing uh, to, to sabotage our own finances. So again, yeah, I think there are some things right now conspiring against us uh, and, and, and pay rates aren't quite keeping up with the rate of inflation. And those things, yeah, are worth documenting. But it doesn't mean, especially when you're talking about people in the six-figure salary range, that that those people, there's nothing they can do, right, to kind of proceed more in the Stealth Wealth direction. So let's talk, too, about what you gain when you take the Stealth Wealth mindset, when you take that approach to your finances. Because you might think that we're harping a bit much on the deprivation front. And ultimately, we're working towards a sense of financial freedom. That's our goal for ourselves. That's our goal for you. And keeping up with the Joneses has become so cliche at this point. I I hesitate to bring it up, Matt, for that (laughs) very reason. Because people are like, okay, heard it, boring. But there's just a reason that the phrase gets referenced so often in the personal finance space. Like the ability to not care what other people think of you is going to give you a massive advantage when it comes to getting ahead and meeting your financial goals. That just has to be mentioned and it has to be discussed. If you want to live a stealth wealth mindset, if you kind of want to take that approach, I think uh, you know, the more beholden we are to what others think of us, the more we aim to fit in, the more likely we are to live in a way that doesn't satisfy us on an individual Mm -hmm. level. We're trying to impress other people. And uh, the more likely we are to make purchases then for what we think they signal to others rather than buying things and experiences that maximize our own joy, that is a massive problem. I think it's part of the root of why so many people don't adopt this stealth wealth approach. They're living life in so many ways um, on other people's terms.
0: That's true. Yeah. So I don't think there's any way that we're going to get through talking through uh, explaining, <laughs> talking about stealth wealth without mentioning the proverbial Joneses mm-hmm. uh, is, is definitely true. But I wanted to point out, man, I think it's easier said than done. Because of the fact that we're social animals, uh, I think it can be difficult to say, like, I don't care what, what so-and-so thinks. I don't care what you think. And so, depending on you as an individual, your psychological makeup, whether you tend to be more agreeable or disagreeable, uh, you might be more innately
1: inclined to rebel against the status quo. So, just from a psychological makeup Standpoint. I would say I fall into the more agreeable uh, of that category, and you fall into more disagreeable. Oh, and I, I, th- I love disagreeing, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not because you're a jerk or anything like that. I'm. T- it just, well, I, I can be you, that yeah, <laughs> Not really, though. Not most of the time, no. But I think it's, I it's one of those things that allows you, just innately from, uh, from a human perspective, you're less inclined to bow to social pressure, and you are more likely to march to the, your own drummer. And for me, it's taken more intentionality to kind of push back against that mentality because, like. I am more agreeable like that is kind of my tendency and it's it's not innate for me to to buck all of the modern trends and completely go it alone sure. and, and live in my own life. Well, before the
0: break, I, I kind of mentioned being like hard headed, and I think that's how my parents would have described me <laughs> as, a, as a kid. Uh, but like, I'll say our attempts to keep up with the folks around us, like that often precludes us from amassing a decent chunk of wealth, right? And that money, that wealth is going to be able to af- then afford us more life changing options. So it truly does have a cost. And it's one thing to be aware that this is something that I think to a certain extent that we all need to work on. But I think it can be so helpful to see the cost of that. And I think a big part of the reason that so many folks, even ones out there with solid incomes, fail to get this point is because it's just so dang easy to spend your money like everyone else is spending their
1: money around us. Mm -hmm. All right. Makes me think of a river. And I think of I can it. see it in my mind. Well, like the everything is pushing on us to to kind of be these people who spend willy nilly. Who our our whole economy is based around consumerism in in so many ways, right? So many people's jobs are based around selling products to one another, and some of that is good, and some of that is bad, right? And but it's this river that's flowing in one direction, and it's it's trying to funnel us all down in that same direction. And I think of kind of stealth wealth as. A beaver building a dam to say, not today. <laughs> I'm going to block at least a, a meaningful path. I'm going to put a meaningful path in this way.
0: The river will still flow, but it's going to look a lot different yeah. than you want it to look. At least where I'm at. At least where I'm hanging out. <laughs>
1: exactly. So I don't know if that's a great analogy, but it's something, no, right? Okay. And and it's it's you taking a proactive measure to even in the midst of forces that are out of your control, trying to push you in a certain direction. Well, I think it, no, I think it's a great analogy because it points. It, sh- it demonstrates that the forces
0: never stop, and I don't think they truly ever will. That like, yeah. That is just the culture and society. Uh, That is how the economic capitalist engine runs in our country. It will always be present. But what are the things, what are the steps that we're taking in order to, you know, like you said, fight that in our
1: own little personal section of the river. Yeah. I think something else that if we adopt the, the stealth wealth approach that it's going to get us, it's going to get us less stress in our lives. Because and, and folks who opt for stealth wealth, they're keeping their money in banks or better yet, their favorite low cost brokerage firms. And that's because they value the freedom that money in the bank can buy them. And we talked about the importance of peace out money before on the show and how it puts you in a position of strength. But not only does stealth wealth get you closer to becoming financially independent, it's also reducing kind of the, the pain point. And levels of stress in your life on a day-to-day basis, which is like incredibly meaningful. We've, we've talked in the past, Matt, about how debt can make you dumber, literally lopping off something like 10 to 12 points from your IQ. Some of the studies have shown, and I, I haven't seen any studies on stealth wealth. But my guess is that folks who fall into that stealth wealth camp would get a bit of an IQ boost, right? So instead of just leveling up 10 points, because they don't have any debt, well, what if they have like a meaningful amount of financial margin, and uh, they're working towards financial independence, I'm guessing that they almost get like five points on the upside or something like that. And it's not that having more money literally makes you smarter necessarily. But the mental freedom that it affords you the lack of having to focus on money so intently day in and day out can be like a weightlifting it off your shoulders, I think.
0: I totally agree, man. Yeah. So, you know, the best reasons, the most important pros or advantages to implementing stealth wealth in your life are are going to be mostly personal and internal. It's mostly going to be like you as that beaver on that little part of the river there. <laughs> uh, but there are some external reasons that are worth mentioning. And these are some ways that we think having stealth wealth will improve your relationships. And I think this is going to be a weird point to make. I'm used, to, I'm used to it for me. <laughs> uh, but because you don't look rich, I think oftentimes what that's going to mean is that people will then not ask you for money. Now, bear with me for a second, right? Uh, it's it's kind of like having a like a pickup truck. If you've got one, folks are going to ask to borrow the truck. Like I feel like it's inevitable. I've
1: heard it from every friend that I have yes. who owns a truck. They're like, it, it happens. When my friends are moving, they always ask to borrow it. And so basically, the more you show off your your treasure trove of wealth to the world,
0: the more you're going to get hit up for a loan or, or, or for donations. I just think that there can be an awkwardness uh, that comes to relationships and conversations when there is a large sum of money, at, not at stake, but when they know that there's a large amount of wealth involved. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be, I think, tough to sometimes know the motives of individuals. Like for instance, like imagine you got a friend and you know that, Oh man, you just sold that tech company you started 10 years ago and you just you sold that thing for 15 million?
1: It changes things a little bit. So not only I don't know if we're on the like same <laughs> vacation schedule yes. anymore, man, because you might be going to fancier yes. places than I can afford.
0: And so, like, I guess I'm putting myself in the camp of like, I don't know how I would respond. Like, it would be difficult to even know my own motives, right? Because I might say, "Oh well, no, like I like her because she's she's really cool or she's funny," but also she, you just found out she's worth four million. Or it's like, "Oh, I like that guy because we've got a lot in common. We're going to be buddies." It can be difficult to know your own motives, I think, to a, to a certain extent. And yeah. So, I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up because I think by, not, by living more of that stealth wealth lifestyle, when you form relationships... Hopefully they're they're based on just like a shared interest mm-hmm. as opposed to the fact that you've got some money. That on they're hand. like I, hoping you're going to be the one who buys lunch and dinner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just think it can keep relationships honest
1: both ways, regardless yeah. of which end of that conversation you're on. Completely agree. And I don't know if that's like a pessimistic view of human nature. I think it's just more of like a realistic one. Yeah, I think, I think it's realistic. It's, it's hard for us to know how we're going to react to other people it, when kind of circumstances change. And it makes me. I think there's more power in uh, driving the Honda, but being able to afford the Rivian than there is in buying the Rivian, right? And at that that's being said as someone who really would like someday to own a Rivian, <laughs> but maybe when it's older and more normalized and people aren't like gawking at my $85,000 truck, right? But uh, just think if you're the kind of person who has the financial means to do that, but you put it off and you, you, you retain that financial power instead of like putting it into play in this world and losing it because you now own an item that's quickly depreciating. Yeah. And And
0: it's it's less likely going to have an impact on your relationships as well, where it's just like, hey, you want to go for a ride in my new, (laughs) what's it called? What's the SUV Rivian?
1: Oh, the R1S, maybe? That's the one I like. They're beautiful. Uh, (laughs) They're awesome. (laughs) They're awesome. And like when I can get one six years old, like (laughs) hopefully I will. Well, and let's clarify too what we're talking about, because it's not to say that folks are looking to come over to your house and intentionally slip so they can sue you, right? Because, hey, you just sold that tech company for 15 mil. Yeah. Let me like... Uh, break... Hopefully, folks aren't targeting you to that degree. Let me break my tailbone and right. just like <laughs> test, test the limits and, and make you hire uh, legal like legal help or something like that. But look at what happens when people win the lottery. I mean, this is well-documented. Yep. Friends, relatives, like they can't help but look at you differently and vice versa. I think you look at them differently. You're like, are they going to come hit me up for money now that I'm loaded? probably, right? A lot of them do. And and what happens to most of the people who end up winning the lottery? Well, stats show that 70% end up bankrupt within just a few years time. And so stealth wealth prevents those cousins you didn't even know you had from coming out of the woodwork to ask for money. I think we can learn a lot from watching lottery winners, how they handle their winnings and how uh, so much of it is on display for other people to see and, and how a lot of them, when they're interviewed, like years down the road, they wish that it they never won. Like, it doesn't yep. It doesn't do as much good in their lives as uh, it doesn't counterbalance all the harm that happens. Yeah.
0: And, you know, as we're talking about folks hitting you up for money, it's, it's not that we're against giving money away, right? Like, this is a very important point to make. Like, we are all forgiving to causes that you care about. Uh, it's not all about padding your investments and, you know, never enjoying the fruits of your labor. But because of your mindset, like you just don't feel the need to necessarily publish it to the wide world either, Uh, it's pretty cool to be able to get to the point in your life where you can meet the needs in your community, where you can funnel some meaningful amounts of money towards different nonprofits that you want to support. And so stealth wealth need not, and it probably shouldn't be, a completely self-serving endeavor. And actually a a tool, an account out there to help you to give more strategically is a donor-advised fund. Gosh, We've talked about. I, those. I'm bullish on them. I love them <laughs> here on the show before, but they're just a great way to grow your money so that you can you can give even more money down the road while maximizing the tax benefits of those gifts in the in the here and now. Daffy, in particular doesn't sound legit. It sounds like like it's some Disney, well, you know, (laughs) like made
1: up kind of thing. But Daffy.org, it's a great site that we would recommend for you to check out. Yeah, we'll link to it in the show notes. But it's one of those. Yeah, it's great because even like we talk about where to invest, Vanguard and Fidelity are like, two of our favorites. There's a bunch of low cost providers. Those are the ones we recommend when it comes to investing. But even those guys are pretty expensive on the donor advised fund front. And Daffy is a nonprofit that is basically eliminating fees almost altogether. They charge a $3 a month fee, which is so much less than what the the big, even low cost brokerage firms are charging. So if you're interested in learning more, it's a really great service. And love what they're doing. and it, it makes it, it makes it easier to grow the money that you're trying to give away to, which if you're into the stealth wealth lifestyle, you're probably going to be into it. But Matt, we've got more to talk about on the topic of stealth wealth, including like a bunch of thoughts for how you actually get there. Hopefully we've sold people, Hey, there's a lot of pros to living the stealth wealth lifestyle, but then how do you actually make it happen? We'll talk about that in just a sec. AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So, it's safe to say, it's never too soon to join
0: AARP. They're here to help your money, your health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org
1: slash wisefriend. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach. Every single summer, we've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes, those vacations... or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers
0: All right, man. It is time for that rubber to meet the road. Let's talk now about how you can implement these different tenets of stealth wealth into your own life. and made me think about peeling out in my someday. <laughs> I don't. I'm sure that there's technology that causes you to not peel out <laughs> because they want you to have maximum traction. That's how fancy they are. Uh, but So this makes me think of clinical psychology and, and therapy, they call it doing the work. And it's also important to do some introspection with your personal finances as well. We want you to spend some time identifying the things that matter to you, right? Like these are the different areas of spending that are just specifically going to move the needle the most in your life. And I'll mention that self knowledge of this variety, it doesn't just jump into your lap, right? It doesn't come about overnight. And so if you want to live a stealth wealth kind of life, you're going to need to to make some changes. And the first step is to do some digging and some dissecting about your current relationship with money and how it is that you spend or maybe even don't spend your money. But if you want some Help on that front. Well, we've created a, a money mission statement guide uh, as a PDF. We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. But that will help to guide you through some of these like deeper questions about money. It's a fantastic worksheet to go through with a partner or a significant other. But it'll help you to decipher whether your money goals and the reality of how you're actually spending your money are truly in sync
1: or yeah. not? Because in a lot of times, like this is the truth for all humans everywhere in all times. I think the the goals that we have for ourselves or the reality we want to live into, like we fall short <laughs> all the time, right? In how in so many ways, even in just in the ways we want to treat each other, the amount of money we want to give away, we are constantly falling short of even our own goals. And so it's important to kind of uh, see the gap between money goals and the reality that's playing out. So then without that knowledge, it's really hard to close the gap and make changes. And part of this is defining the why behind your money. Like what brings you joy, right? And and what's best for your family? These Mm -hmm. are really individual questions or questions to be asked within a really small community like a family. Because... The answers are going to vary dramatically for different families. Some some families might be saying, we're trying to achieve that digital nomad lifestyle. And other families are like, I want the corner office. I'm moving up in my career. And and to each their own, really, on that front, we don't want to tell you how to live in that regard but asking those questions is going to help you figure out how you want to live and then you know what will achieving more financial freedom and becoming legitimately wealthy in that stealthy ma- manner what will that allow you to achieve that you'd otherwise have to forego those are good questions to ask and then uh, the, the truth is the world is your oyster but we often get stuck in a rut living life in a way that's it's reflecting societal values rather than our own individual ones it's that river I was talking about and we uh, just get swept along we, we float along it instead of like being the beaver And that's why we like the craft beer equivalent approach, because instead of spending money willy-nilly on things that catch your eye in the moment, funnel those dollars towards the few things that have an outsized impact on your specific happiness. Matt, I have always said since the beginning of this podcast, that folk art is one of those things that I spend money on. And a lot of people are like, huh, what's that? <laughs> and it's it's basically untrained artists. I love this stuff. It's actually not terribly expensive, but it's something that Emily and I funnel meaningful amounts of money towards every single year. And I don't know any single other person that would put folk art on their craft beer equivalent. It really means a lot to us and our family. And that those are the kind of things that you have to think through, like pick a few things. What are those craft beer equivalents in your life? Have a few. They might change over the years too. Too. For a while for us, yeah, it, was yeah, it was international true. travel and we dialed it back and it was actually going out to more local restaurants for a minute. But uh, I think it's it's super personal, but it's important to figure out so that it almost makes you more excited to dial back spending in some of the other ways that aren't moving the needle and funnel more money towards the things you say you value. I think that's something that matures over time, too, or something that you can discover. Because
0: like, so I think I'm realizing for Kate and I that one of our craft beer equivalents is spending money on dirt, Like literally.
1: (laughs) That's the weirdest Uh, thing you said in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And so I'm talking about landscaping. I've mentioned this on the show, I guess, maybe recently. Literally paying for dirt, building up some beds, learning about different plants and and buying those plants that we're going to, like plants, bushes, fruit trees, all of of these different things, all in an effort to bring nature closer to us at home, to to where we live. And what's funny is that I don't think I would have ever have said that that was a craft beer equivalent. But when I look back on our life, specifically at like previous homes that we've owned we've always done this mm. I th- and i think at the time i may have thought well from a from a resale standpoint or once this becomes a rental this will be a, it'll be great to have this hedge here to you know not see the you know the neighbor's chain link fence like <laughs> all of these different things that yes i definitely was thinking but at the time, we were doing it because we loved it. We just truly enjoyed it. Uh,
1: and so, I don't There's know. literally a country song about buying dirt, by the way. Is it really? <laughs> I'll have to play it for you someday. Uh, Not we- that I'm into it. I don't really like traditional country, yeah. but my my son does. And so, he's, he plays that song a lot.
0: I guess i mentioned mention this because we've spent a lot of money on that. And it's, on one hand... It might be easy to feel guilty for literally spending thousands and thousands of dollars that we did recently mm-hmm. on dirt, but on the other hand, I know that this is something that we truly enjoy and that truly matters to us. And so, and again, having seen it throughout history, that this is something that has always brought us joy, it helps me to know that we're certainly spending our money in a in a meaningful way that moves the needle
1: for us. You just made it really easy for me to know what to get you for your birthday and Christmas now. <laughs> like, Here you go, buddy. Second <laughs> box, so heavy, <laughs> and why are there worms crawling out of it? But uh,
0: got your favorite. So so far, we're kind of talking about like mental work, but I'll say we're not psychologists. We're not even close, uh, but just money and psychology and how we think about things are so intertwined is not even funny. Um, How can we truly expect to change the narrative that we tell or that we speak to ourselves when it comes to how we handle the nuts and the bolts of our finances if we're not doing some of this deeper work? And so we just wanted to highlight that this is important. Don't skip this step, essentially, is what I'm saying here but you know, now that we've we've offered you our, our best Carl Young or uh, Brene Brown impersonation, I think it's important to maybe get to the, some of the more
1: practical ways to make sure that you are able to achieve some of that stealth wealth status. All right. So we've got just a few things here that we want to run through. And I think if you, if you take this tactic with each of these things we're going to discuss, you will be pushing yourself more into that stealth wealth mindset and way of living, which is going to impact your overall ability to build wealth. But doing it in a, a better way that's countercultural, we would say say. And so the the first thing is to keep your biggest expenses in check. I mean, if you want to be wealthy, but not have other people know it, drive an older car and don't allocate Mm -hmm. too much uh, of your income towards living in a fancy house. It's really not rocket science. But again, everything in our culture is pushing us towards doing the exact opposite. Your bank tells you, hey, based on your income and good credit, you can afford a $600,000 house. And that sounds enticing. And you you, th- you start looking at the Zillow listings and you're like, man, just think about what six hundred K could buy me. Because mm-hmm. I thought for a second we were going to be stuck with a $500,000 limit. And boy, now it's exciting to think that we can get more square footage and, and nicer features makes you feel awesome. But uh, you, you might say, we're even upgrading neighborhoods. <laughs> we didn't think we were going to be able to live on this side of town, but now we can. But the truth is like what we were talking about with millionaire next door, that so many of those millionaires opt to live in neighborhoods. They could afford something nicer, but they choose not to. And so opting to buy a $400,000 house instead of the $600,000 one massively increases your financial options. And instead of being house poor, you've got extra cash for saving and investing and maybe even that big trip that you want to take. And so you can buy your freedom so much more easily by making just one or two higher magnitude decisions. And when you get those big things right, you don't have to sweat the small stuff to nearly the same degree. The coffee, the way you get out at your favorite local cafe, it's not putting you over the edge. You can buy your $5 latte once a week with absolutely no remorse because you have kept that massive expense in check instead of signing yourself up for a $3500 mortgage you kept it in check at 2500 which you can easily afford and it just gives you a whole lot more options and you're kind of uh, you're you're living in a stealthy way where you're not showing it off either
0: that's right and next we would recommend for folks to rein in their lifestyle creep and this is different than what you just talked about Joel cuz you were talking about you're focusing on the larger line item expenses but when your income increases don't let your expenses go up commensurately just across the board. Stealth wealth is not achieved overnight. It's going to take persistent action. It's going to take intentionality both on the savings, but then also on the spending side of the ledger as well. Sure, we, we want you to negotiate a sweet raise or switch jobs if you need to in order to, to make more money and maybe get some better benefits. And it's not like that those are easy steps. But when more money starts flowing in, make sure that you use that as fuel for the stealth wealth fire, not as an excuse to just ramp up your your mindless spending. And this is especially difficult because we just live on social media. Uh, the stats show now that the average person spends two and a half hours on the different social media apps, right? Like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. It is so easy to see what our friends are buying, what they're spending their money on. And on top of that, we're getting served some pretty enticing highly targeted ads. <laughs> it's like a double whammy. <laughs> yes, yes, pushing Everything, us down
1: that river again, further and faster. There are
0: very few things on except for the How to Money Pod Instagram <laughs> account and the How to Money Facebook group, but there are very few things that are pointing us in the direction of spending less money. Yeah. The algorithm, it is going to win sometimes, but just don't let it have the final say. Yeah, And the more
1: you kind of opt out of consuming that stuff, I think there's some power in that too. And it makes me think too that uh, the next thing that if you want to achieve stealth wealth, you need to do is to hang out with folks who share your values. And it's not that you want to exclusively hang out with dirt cheap people, right? Frugal folks and and ditch your current friends, get a whole new set of friends because, hey, you guys spend too much money. I got to hang out with the Matt and Joels of this world who are, you know, really... Nothing wrong with that. Right. Who love dirt <laughs> <laughs> and, and crappy art, right? But, but the more you run in circles, uh, both online and in real life, who share your commitment to the stealth wealth mindset and not showing off an ever-growing abundance of possessions, the more you'll feel comfortable doing the same. It's just so easy for us humans to want to mimic each other. And so, yeah, change the, the herd that's influencing you the most acutely. And now the herd mentality is a good thing. It's helping funnel you in the right direction. And one simple thing to do is to join like the How to Money Facebook group. We've got 10,000 people there. They're helping each other out, asking good questions and offering good financial advice. The non-consumer Facebook page, uh, we just had Katie on we just talked about her. Like Join those kinds of groups. Those are the kind of people who are trying to live this uh, frugal stealth wealth life. They've got that mindset going on and that's going to, I think, propel you. You're going to be surrounded by a horde of people trying to do the same thing. And there's a lot of power in that. That's right. Yeah. And
0: stealth wealth also doesn't mean that you avoid talking about money though, because I feel like so far we've sort of downplayed the like the significance of money. We're all about opening the lines of communication and and having productive money conversations with our friends and family. Uh, But there's, you know, there's no need to reveal your 401k balance. (laughs) Bragging about a super high income or your investment balance like that, that kind of takes you out actually of that stealth wealth mindset. Uh, But you can for sure, talk about frugality. You can talk about investing and the money moves that have helped you create some more breathing room. And you talk about how these changes have you know, massively, positively impact your life. Um, how to Money listeners are, are just the kinds of folks out there who should be bringing that conversation to your friends and your family and to your neighbors in an accessible way. Just like that's truly our goal here on the show is to make these money conversations accessible we want it to be a casual way that you learn about the, the smart money moves that you should be making. And hopefully that's something that you can
1: do with those around you as well. Yeah. I think it's important to mention too, we've talked a lot about the stealthy part of it, but wealth the wealth part of it's important too. (laughs) We want you saving and investing. We want you funneling more dollars as you live this lifestyle into those investment accounts. We want you to be growing uh, wealth for your future. We want you to be uh, taking part of compounding returns inside your 401k, inside your IRA, investing in real estate, right? If that's your jam, building wealth is great but being invisibly wealthy, right? Opting for the goal of stealth wealth, that comes with a lot of power. So you avoid the trappings that many folks fall into, but you get to live life fully on your own terms. And stealth wealth, it leans into a different definition of success, and it largely casts aside the current cultural view of it. So the the definition of success that we often hear from the people around us is more money in the bank account. It's it's not necessarily more flexibility, right? And you know that doesn't have to be the case for you. That doesn't have to be your definition of success, and in fact, we think that's not a great definition of success. It makes me think of a a tweet I saw recently, Matt, from Kevin O'Leary, who hosts Shark Tank, one of the hosts on Shark Tank, and he basically was, that was his definition, was like, it doesn't matter if you spend less time with your family and friends, if your mom hates you, that kind of thing, but as long as you have more money in the bank, then you are a success. And I just can't disagree more Mm -hmm. (laughs) with his definition. And so this stealth wealth mindset is kind of a flat out rejection of that kind of way of thinking. And we think that this is a path that's available to folks of all sorts of different professions and different income levels. But stealth wealth is something that I think we can all embrace, at least to a certain extent in our lives.
0: Yeah. I, I really like how you broke it down to like the stealth. There's like the stealth side and there's the wealth side. And the mm-hmm. stealth side is honestly, it's about frugality. And it's, it's another way to think about it. And so what I love about that is, like you said, it's incredibly accessible. It's something that you can start to implement today. Like literally to try to earn more money, that takes time. It takes working hard at work. I mean, hopefully you already are working hard at work, but it, it takes documenting your progress and it takes taking on new projects. It's, it's this thing that you have to build upon whereas expenses like that's literally something you could do today on the way home from work or actually not do on the way home from work because <laughs> it it takes inaction to be able to not spend money a yeah. lot of times it means not stopping at the the gas station and buying the coke or or whatever it is that you typically that maybe you like to do on Wednesdays I don't know <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah I man let's shift gears let's get back to the beer that you and I enjoyed during this episode this was a Copper uh, a traditional alt beer uh, by the old Mecklenburg brewery these guys are out of charlotte it says on the back here it's that's charlotte right clt like yeah, the airport I think code? so. Yeah, CLT, born and brewed. But yeah, what were your thoughts on this one? That's a good little town, by the way. It's, it's Oh, yeah, bigger. it says over here on the side. Yeah, it's kind of like Atlanta, Jr., I think. That's how I think of it. Mecklenburg County.
1: Oh, that's a specific county. Sorry, sorry uh, Charlotte listeners, if that's <laughs> not a fair characterization. <laughs> <laughs> and if you feel judged by that. No, Charlotte's a great place. It is. It is. But uh, yeah, if you're real... into banking. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> that's true. A lot of banking. <laughs> yeah. They're in Jacksonville, Florida, too. Another place. And Texas getting more bankers, too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this was a classic multi-brown-ish ale, is how I think about it. Mm-hmm. It's It's... It's not my preferred style, but it takes me back to kind of the early days of craft beer. This is the kind of beer I was all about. I was all into kind of the malty browns and I just don't drink them nearly as much anymore. Dark
0: European pilsners. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So it brings me back to like 25 year old Joel and now I'm 39 and my my tastes have evolved. But uh, yeah, so this isn't necessarily like top 10 or anything for me, but I'd say it's solid. And yeah, it makes, makes, make me reminisce a little. Same.
0: Doesn't go on any top, you know, best beers I've ever had list, but definitely enjoyable. And I would also characterize it as bready. Like it kind of has that bready whole wheat loaf of bread kind of flavor going on with it. I can't remember how my father-in-law or where he picked this up, but maybe he was up there actually in Charlotte and picked up a six pack of this beer. But I wanted to point out too, that it it had the most unique way of opening the beer. Oh yeah. You didn't see him as into it. I actually liked it. So it was like a metallic, it's a bottle of beer and it's got the traditional metal cap, but it had like a pull tab Attached to the cap that when you pulled, broke the the cap off. I don't know. I kind of liked it. It it made it so that you can open a bottle of beer, like a sealed, not a twist top, but an actual pop top bottle of beer. Made it easy. Without an opener, Uh which... I've literally never seen it before. It took it was
1: kind of odd when it's I first saw cute. it. It's cute. It's cute. But I
0: like it. I'm all about
1: it. <laughs> well, big thanks to Greg for uh, donating this one to the show. He's a good father-in-law, Matt. So, yeah, donating beer to the show was it's mean, not to like about it. Scores out. and points with me <laughs> for sure. So, all right, that's going to do it for this episode. For folks who want the show notes, links to some of the resources that we mentioned on the show today, you can find those up on our site at howtomoney.com. That's right. And if you enjoyed this episode and have not yet left us a review
0: over at Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate for you to do that. That's just one, I was going to say one small way that you can help get the word out, but it really does have a big impact on the searchability of our podcast. So leave us a solid one over there and a big thank you in advance. Joel, that's going to be it for this episode, buddy. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out.
1: marketing.com.